Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is my co-host and senior staff writer, Ryan Whitfield. How are you doing, Ryan? Great as always. How about you? <laughs> All right. And we also have fellow Football Garbage Time writer and long-lost compatriot, Joey Libro, rejoining us tonight after a year hiatus. Welcome back, Joey. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, guys. Uh, coming off a giant win. How are you? <laughs> well, they can't say that very often anymore. Anyway, we have uh-huh. a very very special guest joining us tonight from WBZ4 CBS Boston. It's Michael Hurley, or should I say it's Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> How are you doing, Michael? What's going on? Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm not going to let that slide. We saw that on Boston Sports Tonight that uh, the question was who would you, who would play you in a movie after the question was posed to Tom Brady and he said Marky Mark. And you turned it around on them and said perhaps you should play Mark Ruffalo in his movie. So defend yourself, Michael. What's the deal with the Mark Ruffalo obsession here? Are you just a huge rom com <laughs> fan or just really you yeah. know? Well, so probably I don't know, ten, eleven years ago, he was sort of a really obscure movie star. You had a sort of unless you were a big thirteen going on thirty fan, yeah, uh, you weren't really that. that familiar with them. And then something happened, so it was like, Oh, you kinda look like that random guy from the movies but then he sort of became this bankable Hollywood star that everyone knows and started to look different. So I'm just hoping right. that I age similarly so that when, you know, they have to do the Mark Ruffalo, bi- you know, the, the biography movie, they need someone and maybe, you know, <laughs> I'll, it'll be a workout. That's what I hope. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of liked him in that 13 going on 30 stage. I mean, who doesn't like Jennifer Gardner and then the, the Just Like Heaven with Reese Witherspoon? Hey, I, I don't yeah, mind the rom-com. Yeah. It's fine with me. That's the so, type hey, of Michael, thing where it's like Saturday afternoon, you just kind of sit back and then you end up watching the whole thing by accident. <laughs> by accident. Yes, co- yeah. air quotes up here, by accident. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Before we get started, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested in learning more about how you got into the industry. So can you tell us just briefly, how did you end up becoming a sports journalist and eventually working with CBS? Yeah, so I mean, like a lot of people, I played sports my whole life, and right around you know senior year of high school, you realize uh, that's not going to take you anywhere because uh, you're very bad at all the sports. <laughs> so uh, I went to college, uh, Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island, and it's a small school, not really known for a powerhouse journalism program or anything, but it worked out because I was able to basically do everything, newspaper, radio, TV, internships, and you get a lot more opportunities at maybe a school where, you know, there's maybe not as much competition. Um, So I was an editor of the paper, a sports editor, managing editor, basically wasting my life away in a newspaper (laughs) office that was the size of a closet, Um, but all, you know, valuable, valuable uh, experience in learning the industry and going through the process and all that. Uh, Graduated school, covered some local high school sports for uh, 40 bucks a pop for local newspapers uh, for a while before I ended up getting a job at Nesson. Worked there for three years, and I've been at CBS for six and a half years now. So wow. uh, really just uh, lucky and in the right spot at a couple times, and uh, it's worked out. So I'm trying to milk it as best I can, and so far, so good. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. You know, that's uh, living the dream there, Michael. You're living the dream, all, at least all our dreams. Hey, so thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to the rest of the show here, and we got lots, 
to talk about today. We're going to be talking about our power rankings, and we're going to talk about the state of the New England Patriots. We're going to talk about the rookie coaches, a little bit of fantasy football, and much more. So let's get this started. Well, Michael, we typically do our top five power rankings at the beginning of our show. So uh, why don't you get us started, do the honors with your top five teams in NFL, and then we'll get Ryan's and Joey's top five, and I'm going to loop back to you with a bunch of questions. So fire away, Michael. What do you, what do your top five look like this week? Uh, well, I feel like it's very likely at this point in the season that we all have the same five teams just in different orders. But um, right. I'm going to start. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Saints. I think the Saints are just uh, just powerhouse right now. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams at number two, even though I have this feeling long-term, I wouldn't necessarily keep them there. I feel like they're going to run out of gas at some point. Um, I'm, I'm going to slide the Patriots in at number three because they've beaten the Chiefs and they're going to beat the Steelers. And then I'd follow up with Chiefs and then Steelers. All right. And uh, briefly, Ryan, give us your top five and then we'll uh, roll on from there. So I'm a little bit intimidated to get my top five after that. Uh, um <laughs> You know, mainly because, uh, you know, me and Michael connect on being Patriot fans, but I'm going to do something I've never done on the show. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order. I have the Bears at five. No, sorry, the Steelers at five. Then I have the the Bears sliding in at four. I have the Chiefs at three, the Rams at two, and the Saints at one. And I think for the first time in the three-year history of the show, I have the Patriots outside the top five. At six, outside the top five. You have been, you know, for for a Patriots fan, you have been really down in the past. We'll get back to that in a minute. Joey, give us your top five. Uh, yeah, like Michael said, this time of the year, it's, uh, you're going to see a lot of the same teams in the top five. So I have uh, the Saints at one, uh, the Rams at two, um, the Bears at three, your Bears. Wow. Um, and then the Chiefs at four and New England at five. Okay. All right. So the Patriots are there and making the list. And, man, uh, you know, I, I can't can't say enough about the Monday night game that we just got off of. Uh, ridiculous, ridiculous hit to Las Vegas. The books really got creamed on that over-under, and we saw a lot of action there. So Rams and Chiefs, I totally understand how they fall up and down, everybody's top five. But, Michael, uh, tell us why you think the Steelers are at five. I mean, that's something that you agree with, with Ryan, but Steelers didn't make Joey's list. What do you think about the Steelers? What do you see in them that they deserve to be number five? I think they're definitely – offensively better than I think most of us would have expected without Le'Veon. I think we've had enough time to sort of adjust the post-Le'Veon era, which is weird to say because we were all waiting for it to start all year long. But uh, I think they've, they've, they're have they better than they seem in their defense, which, you know, had some real clunkers. And remember week one, it's funny, yeah. we think back to week one, they had the entire football world fixated on their tie in Cleveland. Uh, they've come a long way since then. Uh, their defense has sort of cleaned up a lot of things. And granted, you know, the Jaguars sort of gave them that win this week. So I could see why you might not be eager to put the, the Steelers on there. But I think we got to count a win as a win at this point. So I, I do think – I don't expect the Steelers to stay through there because they still have – they have to go to the Saints. They have to host the Patriots. They have to host the Chargers. They have a mm-hmm. bear of a schedule to end the season. So we'll see if they actually deserve to be there. But as of right now, I have to include yeah, and uh, well, those those are all good reasons, and of course the Steelers are are uh, always there to they can surprise you when you least expect it. So you're highest on the Patriots. I'm not going to ask you about that yet because we're going to go into a lot more detail on the Patriots. But the one person that's missing, the one team that's missing from your list that made both Ryan and Joey's list are the Bears. So tell me, are the Bears just outside your five, or do you have any thoughts about how they look to you right now? 
Yeah, to me, the Bears are in that sort of next group where they've been impressive. They've been a good team. They're obviously leading their division, but they're still not in that class with the Saints and the Rams. And it feels like unless you're actually a contender to win the conference, it's hard for me to really vault you up there. Now, granted, and that's one I don't really see changing. I, I, I can't imagine myself being, you know, overwhelmed by the Bears in the coming weeks. I just, I just don't see it. And I know, I mean, I don't want to overreact to one loss, but they did lose to Brock Osweiler. Then they lost to the Patriots. So it's, uh, you know, they're good. They're, don't get me wrong, but they're definitely a class below the, you know, top of the conference. Yeah, and fair warning here, I am a Bears fan, but I'm not going to ding you for that because uh, <laughs> I, I'm showing some respect here. But let me, just go, let me get to the top of the list. You guys all agree on the Saints. So tell me, Michael, what did you see in the Saints that makes you think they're ahead of the Rams? They're just overwhelming. And, you know, the game against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, which was basically the precursor to what we saw Monday night, they can just answer. I love what Drew Brees is doing. It's a guy who's, what, 38 years old, 39 years old, somehow has never won an MVP trophy despite a Hall of Fame career. I think it's his this year to win, I think, or his to lose, however you want to put it. I think he's been at his best, which is really saying something. I think Michael Thomas is probably properly rated, but is still underrated because he's caught something like 85 or 90% of the balls thrown at him. They're just mm-hmm. overwhelming. So I would be most scared if I were a team if I had to face the Saints this week. Yeah, they sure look like an offensive juggernaut right now. So, Ryan, I'm going to flip over to you real quick and talk, talk to you about why uh, you're missing the one team that the other two guys have, and it's your team, the Pats. Why are you so down on the Pats? Well, A, I'm down on them because I'm too emotional. I can't separate it. Um, and, I, and I still can't uh, put my anger on hold from uh, the Tennessee game a couple weeks ago. But, no, um, I don't know. I, I think you can uh, approach power rankings in, in a couple different ways. Um, I try not to project, and I try not to look too far back. I try to look at the most current body of work when we're doing these projections. I mean, are these uh, power rankings we always talk about. Um, so, because, you know, if I'm going to project, then I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk about how um, yet again in a big game, an Andy Reid team didn't look ready to go in the first quarter last <laughs> night. Um, I'm yeah. going to talk about how the Steelers always pee down their legs when it matters most um, and how I still think that's a little bit of a dysfunctional group and how we saw Road Ben come back. And, you know, in the end, the comeback from 16, uh, 16 down was impressive. But I just think it shows that, you know, I forget who tweeted it out this weekend, but somebody had it that, you know, you, you, can, pretty much, you can pretty much mark down Roethlisberger for a couple of those games on the road a year where he just is a no-show. Um, so, I mean, I, I think all those teams have flaws. I'm just looking at it as a current snapshot where it currently is. If Gronk comes back and is healthy, um, if Gordon's finger uh, get, gets back into shape and this defense plays and the Patriots defense plays like it did against Green Bay, um, then I'll say what I've been saying all along, which is I would say that if they, if they do want to win the Super Bowl, this is the worst uh, Patriot team I've seen win a Super Bowl. But given the, the state of the league, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So, again, I have met six. I'm not overreacting and dropping them to 20. Just mm-hmm. what we've seen over the last two or three weeks, and specifically Brady throwing one touchdown in three weeks, they just look a little disjointed right now. So I think at a, the snapshot of this current time, um, i got to have them at six right now. All right, and uh, look at that. Ryan didn't call anybody an idiot in the entire time period. That was fantastic. Way to go, Ryan. <laughs> I can't believe you made it through. I thought for sure you're going to take a shot at somebody on the, on the line at this point. But, all right, Joey, let me just quickly get your thoughts. We haven't touched the coaches yet. I'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> you're saving it up to the end of the show. I got it. I got it. All right, hey, Joey, let's quickly hit the guy that you don't have on your list. Steelers aren't on your top five. Uh, what's your thought on that? Are they just outside the top five for you, or do you have concerns with them? 
Um, I don't really have any concerns with the Steelers. They're right at six for me, actually. I put them in the same group as, like, the Chargers, and mm-hmm. I had the Bears in that same group a, a, a few weeks ago. But the way right. I approach these power ranks is more, like, current. Um, I'm really impressed by the Saints that Michael and uh, Michael talked about. Uh, their offense is just so overwhelming. Um, if you look back at the pr- most pro- uh, prolific offense of all time, the 2007 Patriots, they're, they scored on about 55% of their drives, and the Saints right now are at about 65 66%. Mm. So we're wow. talking about historic numbers right now. Um, I put the Bears at three um, because they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is beat the hell out of teams that are way worse than them. Um, they did have some shaky performances, but I was really impressed by, by their win over the Vikings. Um, I do have the pass at five because of the pass. Um, and then that game last night, uh, Rams Chiefs was just outstanding to watch despite the lack of defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super, super fun. Except for the fact that I lost every fantasy league I was in because of freaking Patrick Mahomes, but Hey, that's okay. I'm not bitter. It was still a lot of fun out there. Let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one and move on to our next topic here. And we're going to talk to you, Michael here, because you, we, you report on the Patriots, uh, up there in Boston. So uh, how about filling us in on how you feel about the Patriots? And we got some specific questions for you, so we're going to fire away here. Number one, uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Rob Gronkowski. You know, he's played on just seven of ten games this season. Ryan actually kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. He's averaging just 64 yards per game and only has one TD this season. He looks to be on track to return in week 12 after the bye from back and ankle injuries. What what do you think? What can we expect from Rob Gronkowski for the rest of the season? Um, I mean, honestly, I mean, just like everyone else, yeah, I see well, just, it's just, it's a guy who doesn't look the way we're used to him, seeing him look. And I, I don't think necessarily, I don't have information on this. This is just sort of guesswork based on the player and having watched him for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. seems like there's something that is, you know, preventing him from going full bore. I don't think that's necessarily like an injury, but maybe something is tender. Maybe there's a muscle that feels like it's not quite, uh, muscle or a tendon or something that just isn't allow him to really let loose because he looks, I mean, basically the catches he's made this year, he's made because he's really big and really talented, not because he's been able to sort of create separation. He loves that seam route uh, that hasn't really been a part of their offense this year. He's been more along the sidelines, more mm-hmm. on crossers, things like that. So I feel like it's physical as much as anything. I feel mm-hmm. like he's pretty honest about it too. If you ask him how he's feeling on a given day, He'll, he'll say, you know, some days you feel good and some days you don't. And, and I just think that's a reality for a guy that's been hit probably – any other player in that position would have been hit, you know, X amount of times. He basically gets hit three or four X because he never goes down. So I think the damage and the right. toll on his body is uh, significant. Wow, okay. Well, that's some good, in, that's good insight here on Rob Gronkowski. Ryan's got a, a follow-up question, I think. Yeah, so this question, Michael, is a little bit more about, I guess, the – the fans and the media in Boston um, as it pertains to receivers. So as I'm watching this game last night, you know, a, a line that's crossed my head as a joke a couple times, or crossed my mind as a couple times as you're watching the the, the Rams is, um, you know, I, I wish the Patriots, why can't the Patriots get guys like Brandon Cooks, which is obviously hyperbole. Um, but, it, but it kind of brought up a bigger question for me, and I just kind of wanted to get your two cents on it. Just being um, Brandon Lloyd back in 2012 was similar, just under 1,000 yards. Um, was killed all year by the media. People weren't sad to see him go. Uh, it felt like Brandon Cooks got the same treatment last year. And, you know, here he is, ho-hum, you know, knocking on his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. 
Um, so I just was curious if you had any thoughts on kind of why, and if you feel the same, but also kind of why the temperature around here is that, you know, I know they're a little bit softer and more finesse receivers, but, you know, 1,000-yard receivers are hard to come by, and those are the two guys that have really stick in my mind over the last 10 years that people just um, acted like we could just replace so easily. Yeah, and I, I've, I've, I've used the Lloyd comparison in a way to make Cooks better because Lloyd was unbelievable at just catching the ball and going down no matter what, no matter who was around him or wasn't around him. He was so interested in protecting himself. I've never seen anything quite like it. And then, of course, he left the NFL to you know, film in B-level zombie movies. So uh, he clearly wasn't into it. I think Cooks was, and I was a huge Cooks proponent from the second that trade went down. The first story I wrote was that he was historically good at his age, which was 23. The, the, the numbers that he had already put up at that age were better than basically everyone but Randy Moss, I want to say. He was, he was that historically good. Maybe T.O., I forget exactly. But there was, there was nobody better at that point. And I think he was very good in this offense that the Patriots had, especially when you consider Deion Lewis had a huge year rushing. So it wasn't a, a, a strictly passing offense. He had 1,000 yards. And people forget. They say, oh, he was soft, oh, this, whatever. They don't make it to the Super Bowl if he doesn't light up the Jaguars for 100 yards. And that was uh, the best defense in the league. He was, he was beating guys. He was running the comeback. He was fighting for balls. People say he never fought for balls. He was going up on those comeback routes. He was getting hit, knocked out of bounds, getting his feet down. Cooks is a hell of a receiver. You know, basically people hold against him that, I don't know, they wanted him to get his bell rung more often. And then when he did in the Super Bowl, they say he's soft. So, honestly, I think he was sort of, I don't know, people just viewed him as an outsider, I guess, like not a not a part of the team. But he was massively important, and I think he, he did not get his proper due here in New England. All right. Yeah, I and, would agree. Uh, I would just <laughs> – Sorry, just to touch on that quickly before we move yep. on. Just uh, no, I, I think that's I think that's perfectly said. I mean, that's been my thought on it. It's the same thing that you see a lot of times in Boston uh, with with you know to use the hockey analogy that Adam McQuaid gets a lot of credit, but David Krejci is always the issue, and it just feels like mm-hmm. um, like you said they just we want we want the you know as a as a collective city are looking for the guy who's going to go over the middle and get murdered as opposed to the guy who's just going to go out there and produce. So um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. You could throw Tuka Rask and J.D. Drew into that group. Just the really talented, skilled people who are really good, but don't get appreciated. <laughs> All right. Let's look to the other side of the ball for a second. The Patriots' defense, they've been a little shaky this season, ranked 20th against the pass per DVOA and 11th against the run in DVOA. How do you feel about the Pats' defense going forward? I think, I mean, if you're going up against the Chiefs, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, I don't see a defense out there that's built to necessarily shut them down. Now, granted – all, all that we're talking about, basically, we're talking about what matters in January, I would think. And I have to feel as though the Chiefs won't be quite as explosive in January, whether it be in Kansas City or Foxborough, uh, in the middle of the winter when it's 17 degrees out and you can't even mm-hmm. you know, feel your legs. So I feel like that will be a, sort of a factor that might give a team like the Patriots or the Steelers or whoever it might be a chance in, in, in having a game. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like that's what it's going to come down to. It'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does against that defense because, you know, there's still, I don't know, Stephon Gilmore has played well until he doesn't, and then Jason McCourty <laughs> can step up at times until he, he doesn't, and it's just sort of one of those things where they're always going to give it up. And what I've noticed in particular, the best, I've seen a very consistent performance from the defense. It's just a matter of whether the quarterback can make the throws, like, uh, Matthew Stafford made every throw that they allowed him to make. His 20-yard 20, 20 outs, 15-yard outs, 
uh, everything over the middle. They they had a small a small window for him to make, and he made it. It's when the quarterback doesn't make it. I mean, Mitch Trubisky missed some throws. Uh, well, he did a lot mm-hmm. more with his leg. Things along those lines that it's up to the, the really who they're going against. I don't think the Patriots defense really sways and has really good weeks or really bad weeks. I think it just depends on level of competition. So I have no idea what will happen if they play the Chiefs. <laughs> right. Now what to do? Never know what you're going to get. Box of chocolates. All right, Ryan, you want to close off the segment for us? Yeah, so I guess just to follow up on that, just, you know, uh, what do you see as the overall ceiling this year for, for this Patriots team? And you, you mentioned it earlier the, uh, that if they'd win the Super Bowl, they'd be the worst Patriots team to win a Super Bowl, which is probably right on. But I think back to 2011, that Patriots team stunk out loud. That was a Patriots team that had Julian Edelman at defense along with Sterling Moore and uh, uh, Antoine Molden. That defense was, was putrid. The offense wasn't you know perfect either. It had Gronkowski and Hernandez in year two, and they, be, they came one welker drop shy of winning a Super Bowl. So I think it's, it's it's what we run into the issue of comparing this Patriots team to other Patriots teams where we need to look at where they are currently in 2018 and how they can stack up and, and play against the best of the NFL. And they've done well against the good teams. If you look, their strength of victory is better than anyone. It's just, they only lose to bum teams, which is one of the weirdest phenomenon I've seen. And I think the fact that they lost to a bad Titans team before a two week break has led to sort of a bit of an overreaction. I think they're still, they're obviously flawed. They're not, by any means, should they be considered, you know, a favorite uh, to win the Super Bowl? I think when I look at them, they still have where they usually have maybe an 80% shot of getting to the championship game and a 50-50 shot of reaching the Super Bowl. I'd drop those down a little and say it's 50-50 to reach the conference championship and 25% to reach the Super Bowl, which for any other team, any other year, you'd say, well, that's pretty good. You'd take those odds. It's just the Patriots were used to them being a little bit better. So I think that's where my, my expectations on the Patriots have adjusted. But I, to me, I'm not getting too hung up on how they compare to last year or the year before because all they have to do is win this year. And uh, and uh, Ryan knows this because I've said it before. I have a friend up in Boston who has kids, and you know they've uh, every year they go out and, and and one year they said, "Hey, mom and dad, how come we're not going out to a parade to celebrate the Patriots? What's going on?" So you know you get a little spoiled up there, uh, up in Boston. But I, I get it. You know the expectations are high. All right. Yeah, it's funny. So, uh, it's funny because I had a couple of uh, years where I wasn't working the AFC Championship game for whatever reason. I sort of had it worked out, and every year my my friends like you know I only have three friends because I'm old and a loser, but <laughs> we could like bank on like an AFC Championship get together because it was like well they'll they'll be playing that day. I don't know if they'll win, but they will be playing that day, so we can just right. bank on that. And uh, <laughs> right. it's worked out for a pretty pretty long time now. Yep. Yep, most definitely. All right, well, lots of great information there on the Pats. Let's ring the bell on that one. Let's get to our next topic, and that is, in contrast to the Patriots, you know, who currently have the longest-tenured coach in the NFL, and Bill Belichick has been there since the 2000 season, there's a bunch of rookie coaches in the NFL this season. we got Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. we got Pat Shermer in New York. we got Matt Patricia in Detroit, Steve Wilkes with the Cardinals, John Chucky Gruden with the Raiders, Matt Nagy with the Bears, and Frank Wright, otherwise known as the second choice over in Indianapolis. Uh, and since we're now about two-thirds of the way through the regular season, let's get everybody's rankings, the current rookie coaches in the NFL, and then we're going to swing on back and ask Mike to discuss his best and the worst on the list. So, Michael, why don't you get us started there? Why don't you rank those rookie coaches for us? Uh, well, I think most of us probably will, will, will agree Matt Nagy, that, that Nagy's number one there. I think what he's done has been pretty impressive. After that, it's sort of, I mean, Rabel, we all love, and I'd love to play for him and things like that, and you love his boldness. 
the Titans aren't exactly firing on all cylinders, but I, I guess he would. It's between him and Reich for second, and then honestly the rest. Uh, I mean Patricia, I don't know how that one's working out. Gruden's definitely last, so uh, you can fill in the <laughs> blanks between there. But John Gruden is last there, but he's first on my list because he entertains me every time I watch the Raiders. It's just <laughs> hilarious to watch it. But uh, yeah, he would rank dead last, and that uh, the other guys uh, sort of fit in between. But I think it's Nagy is a clear number one. Yeah, and I, I, I suspect the people in Oakland uh, don't agree that he's that entertaining because of what he's done so far. But, <laughs> Ryan, what, well, maybe they are. I mean, what else do they got? They got a lot of first-round picks, and they got John Gruden. All right, Ryan, what, what about you? Uh, you want to rank those, uh, those coaches for us? Yeah, so I was going to say pretty much a lot of the same stuff Michael said. I was going to ask if I could just do a pass-fail here. Um, but, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll rank them in order. I got Nagy one, obviously. Um, I took uh, Reich at two. Um, I think he's made some really good improvements in that team, especially with the way it was left here, uh, handed over to him, that he started right. to turn them around pretty quickly. I put Brable three um, just because the inconsistencies there. And then, you, you know, I hate Gruden, so he's got to be down there. But I just, I have a hard time not putting Steve Wilkes or Pat Shermer last on that list. Uh, Patricia <laughs> for his, uh, for his interview antics where he's, you know, um, they always say, you know, the, you know, the, the cliche, you got to earn, you got to earn respect, not demand it. Yet he's out yep. there yelling at people to straighten up in press conferences. So, um, yep. yeah, I mean, the, the, those four definitely, I mean, it's a, it's a suck bag contest of who sucks more. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll go Nagy. The, the important ones, Nagy one, right to Rabel three. Okay. And then everybody on the tie for last after that, huh? All right, Joey, why don't you give us uh, why don't you rank those coaches for us? What do you think? Uh, I have the same top three as uh, Ryan, I have Nagy, Reich, and Vrabel, but I have mm-hmm. to disagree uh, as a Giants homer. I have Shermer <laughs> at four. Um, granted, our record wow. is not what it should be at three and seven, but he's really galvanized the locker room in a way we didn't see with McAdoo, and he's been willing to accept his mistakes. Uh, like McAdoo didn't, uh, for example, cutting Eric Flowers, cutting Patrick Omame, making changes all over that offensive line, and it's paid off these past two weeks. Uh, so after Shermer, I have Patricia, and then it was a toss-up between Gruden and Wilkes, but I have Wilkes dead last. All right. Okay. So everyone at least uh, agrees that those guys are at the bottom. And hey, you know, if you're you're measuring uh, Shermer against McAdoo, that's a pretty low bar. So I think all of us would probably <laughs> rate it probably number four compared to McAdoo. But hey, let's just swing it on back here, Mike. Uh, why don't you tell us why did you pick Matt Nagy as one? And I guess everybody picked him as one. But why do you think he's the uh, the number one rookie coach this year? I guess it's just a matter yeah. of expectations, and it's sort of one of those things where you know, coach of the year. Whoever sported, it's basically which coach, you know, exceeded expectations. That's why Alex Cora didn't win it for the Red Sox because they spend $19 billion every year. Um, but <laughs> the Bears, it's just, it's been a while since the Bears were sort of a viable. Don't tell me playoff twice. Team. Yeah. So uh, I guess I didn't really expect the turnaround. You hear all sorts. How many times do you hear a coach is a genius in this? Genius? I mean, you hear about Patricia. It's not, it doesn't always translate as a head coach and he's gone in he, he took over a team that uh, I want to say they had won eight games total in their last two years combined. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're a legitimate team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to, they're going to win a division that has Aaron Rodgers in it, which is, you know, not a small feat. So I think it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just impressed with how, how far they have come compared to my expectations. Mm-hmm. And tell us about John Gruden. I know he's super entertaining, but you know, why do you put him down as the, uh, as the bottom of the barrel there? 
it's just, I mean, first impressions are go a long way. And basically his first month or two months on the job was all about basically rewinding time to 1998. And the game has just moved along so far since then. I mean, that's, those are times when I played football and things have come a long <laughs> way since then. Offenses have developed, systems have developed, you know, franchises, coaching staffs, videos. He's, he's showing these guys videos from the 70s. And it's just, you get it to some point, <laughs> but at a certain point, it, it's you need it all together, and it just seems like you know Derek Carr was you know, quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks are fragile. Some quarterbacks don't. They need you to support them. I don't think Gruden has you know supported Derek Carr, and you can sort of see it in the way Derek Carr plays. He plays scared. He plays you know this is not the same guy we saw a couple of years ago. Now maybe that's the injury he suffered. Who knows? But I know that nothing is going right for the Oakland Raiders. So I had to rank him last. But it was interesting hearing the uh, commentary on, on Pat Shermer because he's a guy. I've, I've watched Giants games and they cut to him and I'm like, that could be any guy in the world. I'm not sure that that's Pat Shermer. He is the most <laughs> like generic looking guy and I know very, very little about him and I've watched his press conference and still it's like my brain refuses to learn who he is. So uh, that's good to know that there's some, some qualities and traits there. So, so that's not a native New England bias. Is it the anti-Giants thing? Is it, it's actually just Pat no, Shermer? No, not at all. Sure about that? <laughs> no, it, I said last week that he looks like one of the wooden characters in Thomas the Tank Engine. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but if you Google it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's high praise for Pat Shermer there from Michael. All right. I'm gonna ask, I know you got to jump off real soon, Michael. So let me just ask you about uh, Ryan and Joey's last place. So Ryan is always uh, – <laughs> He's obviously not a fan of Matt Patricia. Uh, he's, he's, this is not the first time he's mentioned it. So I'm going to ask you about him. And also, you know, Joey ranked Steve Wilkes as uh, last. What are your thoughts about Patricia and Wilkes? And do they deserve well, to be uh, in consideration for last? Yeah, I mean, Patricia's got to be because I, it's funny. And it, we, we saw this with McDaniels, you know, almost a decade ago in 2009 with the Broncos. When you learn so much from Belichick, there's sort of a, a – innate or like a natural desire or inclination to sort of mimic a lot of what he does because it's so successful. But I think what you always have to remember in, in the front and the back of your mind is that you're not Bill Belichick. You haven't accomplished what Bill <laughs> Belichick's done. You haven't, you weren't an intern for the Colts in 1970 and you haven't been in the league since then, no matter how much work you've put in, no matter how much you've succeeded and failed, you don't have that background. So when you sit there and, and the, the, the press demeanor matters when you tell a reporter, you know, sit up and have respect for the process. Honestly, guys, I'm at these press conferences. We are all schlubs and bums and, you know, <laughs> some guys dress like they're going to, uh, you know, pick up trash. You, you got to, that's sort of part of the business. I mean, I try to look nicer than that, but I don't always succeed. But, and especially when it's a guy who doesn't look like he's, he's worn a tie more than once in the past 10 years. It's, it's a weird message. It seems like weird things are going on. And then, you know, take the, the practice in the snow last week. Yeah, he gets criticized. People are calling him out. You've just got to be like, yeah, you gotta, that's when you have to imitate Belichick and say, we did what's best for the team, and then move on. When you give a 1,000-word soliloquy about why you're mm-hmm. right and why everyone's stupid, it just presents this know-it-all sort of, uh, I can't be questioned and I'm always right tone which I don't even know is accurate or not, but it's just not a good message. And you can see why it doesn't land with all players. And then Wilkes, I mean, the Cardinals are the most anonymous team in the league this year. That's just, I don't know. That's a team that's always sort of been somewhat relevant uh, for the past, I don't know, 10, 11 years to see them just basically fade into complete obscurity, uh, basically ruin Josh Rosen's rookie year, 
I would that's that's probably the candidate. I, I I don't know that much about Wilkes, but that's the candidate I would look at and say that's one where after year one I want to make a change because I actually have what I think mm-hmm. is my franchise quarterback. I want to nurture him and bring him along right. because this is this surely isn't working. Yeah, no doubt about that. They got some pieces there, and he's not making the most of those things. So I know, Michael, you have to jump off at this time. I just wanted to say thank you. We're going to swing around, and we're going to continue the show here. So Ryan and Joey, we're going to get to the your thoughts in a moment. But, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure. It's terrific being here with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, I've never thought I'd have a chance <laughs> to be on the, on, the, on the line with him. So it's great. Uh, can't wait. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, why don't you give us your uh, social media so everyone can uh, sign on and follow you along. Sure, it's Michael F. Uh, Hurley, F as in uh, freaking. I like to say I'm Michael freaking Hurley, so that's probably the easiest <laughs> way to remember. And uh, if you do follow me on there, I apologize in advance. But I thank you guys for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. It's uh, always good to talk football, especially this time of year. It's starting to really actually feel like it all matters. So Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. Looking forward to the next Avengers movie there, Mark. So that's uh, going to be great. All right. Well, I thank you very much. Thank you so much. I can't, I can't give you any spoilers on that, but it's going to be good. <laughs> Hey, Michael, we still got to do that vlog together at some point. So you just let me know when you got some free time. and We'll get that out there on the Internet. The vlog will come true. It's, it's got to happen. Everyone, the world needs more vlogs. That's fantastic. <laughs> Wait, get ready. All right, for good night. Night. All right thanks a lot. It. See ya. All right, that was uh, Michael Hurley over there from CVS uh, Boston. And uh, before we uh, go on to our last topic of the day, let's circle around here, Ryan, and get your thoughts on these uh, rookie coaches. Uh, fire away. You know, are you, you're you obviously very critical of Matt Patricia as well. You you feel the same way that Michael does? Yeah, so I'll walk through all four of the, the bums real quick. But uh, I, would, I would agree with everything <laughs> that, uh, that, that Michael had just said. Um, that I, I forgot. It. it was either Colin Cowherd or um, – Damon Amendolara, who does radio in New York now, that's an old Boston radio guy. Um, but one of those two did a really cool or interesting piece where they went through and they showed how uh, Matt Patricia doesn't think he has to play the rules and play by the rules and stuff. And they were showing pictures of Bill Belichick when he was the head coach of the you know the Cleveland Browns in the '90s. Um, and we all think of Belichick as the guy who won't take the won't take the photo at Coach's Day, uh, who doesn't wear the military stuff on the sideline. And, and, and the whole point of that the exercise of going back and looking at the '90s was that. Well, before he was actually Bill Belichick, even though he won a couple, you know, Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator, he had never won one as a head coach in the '90s when he coached the, the Browns. He did play by the rules. He did have a clean look. He did he did take care of himself. And then you mm-hmm. got this guy who wears the, the the Roger Goodell clown T-shirts and you know <laughs> with the big beard and the backwards hat and all this stuff. And then and, and you know, like Michael said, if there's a guy in the NFL who doesn't look put together, and he's going to start telling reporters to sit up. And so I just think that he's just – he's in, in, in the snow thing last week and that answer where he rambled on for like five minutes about the weather and stuff, it's just – as Michael had said, I can't agree with it enough. It's exactly what everyone said made McDaniels fail in, uh, in Denver you know, eight years ago now is that he went there and he tried to be Bill Belichick without any of the real cachet. And, mm-hmm. and you just can't do it like that. You have to earn your own stripes. Being a protege isn't enough. So um, you know, that's why he's down on my list. Wilkes. I mean, that thing was a train wreck from the, from the get-go. They, they've started to turn around using David Johnson more. They had to fire the offensive coordinator first, obviously. Um, but a whole host of problems there. And then, you know, now you look at uh, Shermer. I, I mean, 
you're closer to it, Joey. I would be lying to you if I said that I watched a bunch of Giants <laughs> games at this point uh, with, as, with as bad as that team is. I still think the biggest thing in the world that they have to do is they, they either need a complete intervention of personality with Odell Beckham Jr., or they absolutely have to get rid of him. That's just my two cents. I just think that he's one of those guys, again, I've said this a thousand times, I love a diva receiver like Des Bryant that wants to win. I hate a diva receiver that just wants it all to be about him, and that's OBJ to me. Um, so that's and, – and who's the fourth guy? Why am I drawing a blank now? You're talking about Gruden? Gruden, oh. John Gruden. I, I, Go back and listen to any podcast we've done this season. You'll yeah. know my thoughts on yeah. John Gruden. Again, right. perfectly said by Michael. <laughs> it's a guy that the game passed him by. He was overrated to begin with. Super sucks now. No use for him. Yeah, we've been busting on Gruden for a long time. So <laughs> I don't think there's anything we haven't said yet. So, Joey, let's swing around to you again. So you got Steve Wilkes last. So tell us about that. You know, now we, everybody's kind of unloaded on him. Do you have any thoughts, additional thoughts on that? you agree with what Michael said? Uh, yeah, I agree with what Michael said. My biggest problem with Wilkes is his hiring of Mike McCoy as offensive coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. And the Cardinals shouldn't have even hired Wilkes to begin with. When you have a plan to go into the offseason and draft your future quarterback, you do not mm-hmm. hire a career defensive coordinator to run your team. And then to bring mm-hmm. in a guy that's kind of aged out of the league in Mike McCoy's, his offense is just not caught up with the rest of the league. It just really stunts Josh Rosen's growth, and I really like him as a prospect. He's, I think, I think he's better than Sam Darnold for the Jets. So that's why I have, I have Wilkes last. Um, okay. And I'm not going to get into Odell today because I take up the entire length of the podcast. <laughs> this could be the entire podcast. Uh, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, I I agree that Shermer has the personality of this table I'm sitting next to. Um, <laughs> It's quite frustrating at times, but I appreciate the uh, level of honesty he has with the media and the way he's conducted conducted himself in front of the team and owned up to his mistakes. Uh, Gruden has perennial foot and mouth disorder. He talks about lack of pass rush on his team after trading one of the best generational pass rushers we've seen in how long. He just, he keeps doing it. Um, Granted, he's collected three first-round picks for this year, but you have to think he's the one calling the shots, so I'm not real confident in that. Um, Matt Patricia, just a real a-hole, if I will. Um, <laughs> uh, he, Like Ryan said, you, you can't act like Bill Belichick just because you coached under Bill Belichick. Um, right. Even if you have that degree in aerospace engineering, I don't care, man. It's your first year as an NFL head coach, and you need to right. act like it. Yep. No, I, I can't imagine that that aerospace engineering is going to help him in any way except for finding a flight out of Detroit when they come for his head at the end of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, some good takes there on the rookie coaches. Uh, so let's get to our last uh, topic, and that's a little bit of fantasy football. So uh, we have a couple waiver wire pickups here. I want to throw at you guys. Give me a yay or nay on this, and tell me how, how if you are going to pick them up, where you would pick them up. And then we'll end off with, if you have any last thoughts on DFS for the week, you can just go ahead and shout them out. But let me run through these. I'll go Ryan, then Joey. Just yay or nay, and tell me if you, if, if you uh, want them in any type of league. Jameis Winston with uh, Matt Farring Fitzmagic pittering out. Jameis Winston came in, almost brought them back to a win over the lowly Giants. Uh, so what do you think, Ryan? Yay or nay on him? Nay. Yeah? No, no, no uh, confidence in Jameis Winston, huh? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I think if, if you're looking for a guy with a high ceiling, 
then sure. Um, if you're looking for a guy with a more secure floor, then absolutely right. not. Um, especially when Dak Prescott is available in 53% of Yahoo leagues right now, right. and he's quietly over the last four or five games elevated to a QB one. So I'm going Prescott. I'm, I'm not touching Winston. All right. Well, let me do it this way because I think this might be an interesting thing. So let's say if you got if you have a one spot to pick and it's a quarterback that you're going to set up as your backup. Okay, so you're not going to be playing him every week. You got Winston, you got Lamar Jackson, you got Colt McCoy, you got Dak Prescott out there. Which uh, rank those for me, Ryan? Uh, Prescott one. I'd go Winston two. Jackson three and McCoy four. Okay, and Joey, what do you think? Go ahead and rank those four for us if it's going to be your backup quarterback. Uh, I would go Prescott one, Jackson two, Winston three, and then McCoy four. Oh, okay, interesting. So Jackson two because of the uh, the floor from the rushing. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, yeah, he had a great rushing day the other day, but also Winston and Fitzpatrick have been playing tag coming off the bench uh, for right. the last couple of weeks here, and we don't know how secure Cutter's job is, and it seems that Munkin, the offensive coordinator, would slide into the interim role, and he it looks like he prefers Fitzpatrick, so I don't know how many games you're going to get out of Winston. Right, right. And, okay, so that's definitely true because that's, uh, we've seen this happen before, but just vice versa with Winston sucking it up and having Fitzpatrick coming in and almost saving the day. So that's clearly a possibility. Let me ask you guys about these two wide receivers who are really hot in the waiver wire this week. DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers snagged seven of eight targets, 157 yards and a touchdown, including an 82-yard catch and run that was the longest non-scoring play from scrimmage. And looking like he might be taking over for uh, Devin Funches as the number one receiver in, in Carolina. And Josh Reynolds, huge night last night. Of course, everyone had a huge night, essentially, except for Todd Gurley. He caught six of eight targets last night, 80 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup out an IR, so Josh Reynolds will be that third wide receiver. Which one of those would you prefer, Ryan? Well, question back to you real quick. Um, which one of these is more of an anomaly? DJ Moore's performance or everybody on the Rams going off in an individual game? <laughs> well, I think that uh, I would say DJ Moore's performance is more of an anomaly than everybody on the Rams going off. Right. I'll take Reynolds. Okay. Interesting. All right. So, Joey, what do you think? Who would you, who would you prefer, DJ Moore or Josh Reynolds? Uh, I'd definitely take Reynolds here just because of the sheer volume that Goff is going to have. And DJ Moore mm-hmm. is still pretty young. And when they use them, they – if you go back and watch Panthers games, every time he touches the ball, it's designed for him. So they're really using him sparingly at this point. I know he had a big game last week, but they're, I think they're still trying to get him acclimated to that, to that offense. All right. And let's talk one more fantasy football pickup. Gus Edwards had a, just blasted onto the, onto the scene this weekend in week 11. Undrafted rookie. Stepped out of nowhere, rushed 17 times for 115 yards and a touchdown. Took over for the most part for Alex Collins. There's still Buck Allen back there and Ty Montgomery. They did trade for Ty Montgomery, although he barely got any play this week. Do you want Gus Edwards on your fantasy football team? And if if yes, what size team are you looking at there, Ryan? Absolutely not. Not in any league. This looks like the Eagles' backfield of last year down the stretch uh, of just an absolute headache. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I've seen people fight all year long about it's Buck Allen. No, it's uh, Alex Collins, whose name I almost forgot because it's just he's, he's relevant <laughs> once every three weeks. And now it's Gus Edwards. Like, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not taking anybody in Baltimore's backfield. Absolutely not. Okay. All right, Joey, what about you? Are you taking anybody in Baltimore's backfield, including or not including Gus Edwards? 
No, I'd stay far away from that backfield. If you're if you're looking for any running back help in any league, I'd check out Josh Adams, who had a big day for Philly last yeah. week. He had the most touches. former Notre Dame guy. Um, yep. Yeah, of course. Had to throw that one in for you, but uh, yeah, I'm staying <laughs> far away from that Baltimore backfield. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, let's flip it over to one more thing, guys. Any last any thoughts about DFS for Week Twelve? Uh, Ryan, any thoughts about DFS for Week Twelve? What do you like? Yeah, so my big play this weekend is not playing the weekend, um, meaning that I'm playing I'm playing Thursday, and I'm playing okay. heavy on a Saints stack. Um, it's still baffling to me that a lot of people don't realize that stacks are the way you win, whether it's cash games, GPPs, anything. Um, mm-hmm. Last week, my big cash-in was I went a major stack of Kamara, uh, Breeze, and Mike Thomas, but on top of that, the Saints defense, who's played much better the last three or four weeks, is still going as, uh, I haven't looked this week, but continues to go as like a bottom 10 as far as price defense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that they're going to continue to play well. So I'd stack those four together um, and then pretty much pick whoever else you want. And as long as you're in a, a cash game, you're going you're gonna to finish in the money. Oh, well, there you go. You got the Ryan guarantee there, folks. So go ahead and lock it in. Joey, you have any thoughts for DFS this week? Anybody you like, don't like? Yeah, I got about I got two guys uh, I like for DFS this week. Um, one is uh, Georgia running uh, former Georgia running back Nick Chubb going against the mm-hmm. Bengals this week. Uh, the Bengals uh, ranked dead last against the run, um, so if he can repeat that performance from the week before the bye, uh, you're going to do well for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I'd look at Josh Gordon this week against the Jets. Uh, they've given up the eighth most points. To receivers this season, so uh, and the Patriots are not happy about their loss before the bye. So I I expect big things from Gordon this week. All right, some good thoughts there on DFS. I'll throw one more out there, and this is just for dart throws, GPPs only, not for cash games. But OJ Howard just placed on injured reserve with foot and ankle injuries, ending his season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that leaves Cameron Brait as the sole move tight end out there. And uh, he's been getting plenty of targets from both Fitzpatrick and Winston. So it doesn't really matter who's out there. And he will be super, super cheap against the San Francisco defense, which has actually been uh, not so great against defending the tight end. So another one thought out there if you want to take a shot and punt on tight end. So there you go, guys. We got basically <laughs> the entire show in, an extra jumbo size show this week. So we're going to head and blow the air horn on the show. All right, Ryan, why don't you give us your – social media and your shout outs uh, so people can follow you and so people can follow them. Yeah. You can follow me at Ryan, at Ryan Whitfield, any on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Day. I'm trying to work a game for pro football focus too, while I'm doing this. So this has been kind of a, a tough show, Multi, um, but that, that's it. Uh, squad QL uh, apparently is not retweeting the, the tweets anymore since my contact ah, left. So ah, uh, no more you, free plugs. QL. That's right. No more free plugs. That'll be the last time I reference them on the show. Goodbye. <laughs> who are they? I don't even. I don't even know who they are anymore. They're not the social media account for anybody I, anymore. Hey, I, they're probably gonna shut it off after I say this, but I still got that free account though for the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, good. Hey, we got something out of it. That's all that matters. As long as we come out ahead, it does not matter what happens from that point forward. Hey, Joey, why don't you give us uh, your social media account so that everyone can follow you as well? Uh, I'm at Joey Libro, uh, A-L-I-B-R-O. 
All right. And, Joey, welcome back after a year hiatus. Well, I think we're going to hear more of you on the podcast and on the website, so everyone tune in. Check that out. Check out uh, all Ryan's content. He's all over the place, by the way. <laughs> As you said, Pro Football Real Focus quick. was at Fantasy Pros. Everybody on the scene has hired uh, Ryan at this point, hasn't they? Well, you know, for free most of the time. But uh, one thing before we go, I do want to give yeah. one good piece of advice, not fantasy related to our, all, all of our listeners tonight. Um, okay. Per something Joey said earlier, uh, you know, we're coming around the time of the start of the new year. A lot of people are going to be getting their annual reviews at work. Uh, please go in and just reference the job that Ben McAdoo would have done compared against your work in the last year. And I think we'll all be a little bit richer in 2019. Oh, look at that. And I you have learned that, something, folks. Look at that. There we go. I was waiting for uh, Ryan to take a shot at somebody and a backhanded I compliment. I the top five. I had, to, I had to take the shot at somebody before the end of the show. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. You can follow me at FB Garbage Time. As always, thank you for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.